Hallelujah. So this part of our series, number one is going to be prosperity, a blessing or a curse. And so I wanted to lay a foundation this morning and have a look at this because this has been around the body of Christ for a long time. Prosperity, is it a blessing or is it a curse? And so the subject of prosperity of wealth has been incredibly misunderstood through wrong teaching that has gone around in the earth, I don't know, since the, uh, since the uh, 70 AD when um, the, all kinds of stuff, all kinds of priests or all kinds of idol worship became priests and all of the idols became saints and everybody declared, oh yes, we vow, vow of poverty. Okay, and then all of the people from that century onwards all the way through have, uh, have been in a place of poverty. You see, well, God says no more. The truth is coming forth and the body of Christ is hearing who she is in Christ Jesus. And so there's been confusion among the body of Christ. We, we spend time with pastors and you hear some of them, yeah, we're for it. And the other ones are not, are not quite sure. Why is that wrong teaching that they've had? Now, I understand that wealth and prosperity is more than money. It's more than material assets, but it includes, it includes success in every area of your life. Wealth, the wealth plan includes success in every area of your life. I mean, what's the point in having a billion dollars in the bank if you're in a wheelchair, you're blind and you're deaf? <laughs> I mean, what's the point? That is not wealth. No, we're talking about wealth in your spirit, in your soul, in your body, in your relationships, in your finances, whatever you put your hand to, it's wealthy. That's the wealth that God is talking about, a wealthy relationship with our Father. Just, just everything to its fullness. Total life prosperity. Okay, and so we have to believe in that in order to prosper. You can't, you can't prosper any other way unless you're going to believe that you're able to prosper. And so if we have a look at the, if, if, you, if you right now, if we have a look at the majority of New Zealanders, most of, most of them are living from pay, paycheck to paycheck. If you have a look right across the board, even in the Western world and even in the third world nations, they don't even have a paycheck. But living from paycheck to paycheck in New Zealand, struggling to make ends meet, God says that's not living, that's surviving. That is not living, that is surviving. And sadly, many Christians live in that place. Many Christians are living in that place. But this is not the way that God intended us to live our lives Jesus came and he said, I have come to give you life and life more abundantly. Another translation says, I've come to give you life to the full. And that word abundance means exousia. That means extreme. It means over the top. God wants it over the top. That's, you know, that word we'll have a look at and, and, and get into some of the heavy duty meanings of that word that scares some people. But it doesn't scare God and it's not scaring us. You see, but most Christians don't know anything about God's prosperity. That's why they're where they are. And if they know that they're not exercising their rights and privileges. You see, knowing God's will in this area, which is based on God's word, it's going to position us to prosper. It's going to position us to prosper. And Hosea says, what you don't know, what you don't know about God's plan is going to cost you. What does Isaiah, um, Hosea say in 4.6? He said, for a lack of knowledge, my people go into bondage. And so what you don't know is going to stop you from prospering. 
So let's have a look at this. Our first thing. Is it God's will for me to prosper? Well, since God created us, we should find out what God thinks about us and what He wants for us. Wouldn't you agree? I mean, God's the one that created us. And so we've got to go, well, God, what do you think of us? And what have, what have you got planned for us? And we find one of our favorite scriptures here uh, in Jeremiah 29. You see, God's not confused about it. God is not like the leaders in the body of Christ. He's not like the leaders in the earth. God knows exactly what He thinks. He knows exactly what His plan is. And He says in Jeremiah 29, and this is one of our foundational scriptures at Victory Christian Center, God is talking and He says, For I know the plans that I have for you. God says, I'm not confused. Declares the Lord, they are plans to prosper you and not to harm you. They are plans to give you a hope and a future. Now, if there's any confusion in you right now, grab a hold of that scripture and say, right, this is it. God wants to prosper me. God wants to give me a hope and a future. And so if God wants to do that, then I need to know what prosperity is because you see some people are confused about what prosperity is and we're gonna have a look at that just in a minute. Some of the things that you hear people say, well, prosperity, well, it could be that God actually wants to, you know, in, in disguise, that poverty in disguise is prosperity. It's amazing what comes out of some people's mouth. You wonder where they got it from. I think it's from the pit. <laughs> really? You see, God says, I know the plans, the plans for the earth, the plans for you, the plans for man is to prosper you. This is God's wealth plan we're talking about. God's wealth plan includes prosperity. Right from the beginning in the Garden of Eden, when God blessed Adam and he said to him, he said, this is my plan of prosperity. Increase, multiply, fill the earth, have dominion. And in the uh, weekend that we preached, in the Labor Weekend, we talked about what can you do with dominion and seed. I'll get that t- I would get that CD if I were you. But you see, God had three things in the garden. He gave them dominion, he gave them seed, and then he blessed And today we're going to have a look at the blessing because dominion and seed doesn't do a whole lot unless you're carrying the blessing. You've got to be blessed, not cursed. You can have dominion all you like. You can have seed all you like. But if it's not going to rain, and so we're going to have a look at the blessing. Praise God. And so God said in Genesis 1, 27 and 28, have a look here. When God blessed Adam, God created him in his image, in his likeness, and he said... Then God blessed them, and he said to them, Be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, subdue it, and have dominion. And so Adam's wealthy place that God had given him was a result of the blessing that God placed upon him. And Adam's job or Adam's assignment was to take that blessing to the whole earth. Everything that was happened in the Garden of Eden The Eden blessing was not to stay in Eden. It was to go to the whole earth. And it was the blessing upon his life that was going to take that. So what is that blessing? Praise the Lord. You see, we can look through history and we see when God had his way, man was abundantly supplied. These these scriptures here that we've just read, God bless them, be fruitful, multiply, fill. When God had his way with any human being, God blessed them, he multiplied them, and he filled them. That was God's way. 
and abundantly supplied them with wealth, great favor, prospered them exceedingly, and they impacted nations. Wow. Just love that. Absolutely love that. And so let's have a look. What is the blessing then? If God is the God that blesses and he places a blessing on someone, what is that? Well, we've defined it down here in your outline. The blessing is an anointing. We could say it's an empowering. I like that word better because anointing people go, well, what's that? What's the blessing? The blessing is an anointing. Well, the anointing. Well, what's the anointing? Well, the anointing is an empowering. God's empowering. God's ability. And so the blessing is an, an anointing on you to, to have success. It's the ability of God on you. I mean, God on you. It is God's empowerment on you to prosper and have success in every area. Whatever you put your hand to, God said, I'll prosper that. That's what the blessing is. God's empowerment, it's like a magnet and it draws things into your life. Now you have a look. You have a look at Joseph. He started out with nothing. He was totally stripped, this young man, but he was carrying the blessing. And so when he went into Pontifus' house, everything that he touched was blessed. They threw him in prison, had nothing again. Everything he touched in prison prospered and they put him in charge of the prison. And so it's a prosperity that no matter where you are on the earth, whatever experience you're facing right now, when you're in the place, when you're in a pit, the blessing on your life, the ability on your life, the empowering on your, of your life will cause you to take dominion, to increase, to multiply, and to fill that place. And so he didn't stay in the prison. He turned around and he ended up becoming the counselor for the whole of Egypt. And there was no one greater than Joseph. He was second under Pharaoh and was ruling the whole earth at that time. He was carrying what? The blessing of God on his life. That's what prosperity, that's what wealth is. That wherever you are, whatever work situation you're in, that the blessing will cause you to solve problems. It will give you favor. It will promote you. It'll bring ideas forth. Give understanding wherever you are. It's just gonna increase you. It's gonna multiply. It's gonna solve problems. You have a look at Daniel. They were slaves. And we're talking about slavery. I mean, they did not have prisons like we do, five star. In fact, that's an insult. They're not five star. They're a horrible place to be in. But these young men, they were carrying the blessing and they knew it. And they were rising to the top. Even when they were thrown into the pit and the lions, the lions couldn't touch them because they were the blessing on their lives. The blessing of God. The fires and flames couldn't overcome them. The blessing of God. And we're gonna, in fact, I won't get into it next week because otherwise I'll ruin my message for next week and I can't preach it because I've preached it this week. So we'll carry on. <laughs> Praise God. I'm, I'm preaching half of next week's message, so I better slow down and back up. Otherwise, I'll end up thinking, oh, what's happened? <laughs> the notes are back at home. <laughs> Praise the Lord. So that's what the blessing will do. That's an insight into what we're going to be talking about next week and being able to tap into that. And as we do, just pull on that in the Spirit because this is the anointing of God. Who is the anointing of God? The Holy Ghost. When God breathed on him, when God breathed on the earth, he was breathing his spirit into the earth and it brought blessing. The blessing of God. The Holy Ghost is the seal and the blessing of the covenant. Holy Ghost, praying in tongues. Every time you pray in tongues, you're releasing the blessing. 
You're releasing multiplication. You're releasing increase. You're releasing favor into your life, your family, and into the nation. That's the blessing of God. And so let's have a look. Prosperity. Number two, prosperity. Is it a blessing or is it a curse? Now, the answer should be obvious, but in the minds of some, it's not obvious. And what is the reason? Because Satan has confused the issue. He's convinced many into thinking that there's something inherently evil about wealth. That's what he's convinced people into thinking. You better not get too wealthy. You'll get your mind off God. I know a lot of poor people that have got their mind off God too. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter whether you've got wealth or not. There's a whole lot of poor people that are not serving God. And I know a whole lot of wealthy people, especially in the States, million dollar, multi, multi billion dollar companies that are living on 10% and giving God 90. They've got their eyes focused. They know where their source, they know who their source is and they can't use it all. And so some of them are living on 1% because they can't use it. The rest is God's. And so there's nothing inherently evil about wealth, but this is what he has sold to the body of Christ. Another thing he has, he has promoted, that poverty as being noble. We have priests in our, in our nations and priests in the earth that have sworn an oath of poverty, and they are the holy men. <laughs> dear, dear me. You don't want to follow that. We don't want to all be just... No, no, I won't go there. It's rude. He's convinced some people that poverty keeps us humble. Some have the idea that financial prosperity is a curse. Can you believe that? <laughs> when we've got so many choices, this is a curse to be... So many cho- I know you ladies think that. You're in the shop and you see so many clothes and now you can't make a decision. This is a curse. <laughs> If you only had one rack with one color, with one item, the choice has been made for you. I guarantee your husbands would be happy about that. So he wouldn't, he wouldn't have to stand around waiting in the shop until she makes up her mind. Oh, too many choices. Yeah. But look how beautiful your wife is. Okay, so here's another one. Others believe if God were to bless them, he would make them poor. Now, we're not talking about anyone at victory here. We do not believe that. This kind of thinking sounds absolutely crazy to me, but it actually has affected the church worldwide. This kind of thinking has been in the church for centuries, and it has affected the body of Christ. If it hadn't, then why aren't we all in a higher place of wealth? Why aren't we running the nations? Why aren't we uh, you know, sort of financing the programs for, for healing and wholeness in the nations? In the Old Testament, we'll find the men that got a hold of this, they were financing their nations and blessing other nations with the wealth that God had for them. And so prosperity, let's define it. Is it a blessing? Is it a curse? There's another, here's another one. I've heard some people say, well, we can't all be rich. Well, God says we can. So who are you going to believe? You see, prosperity is not an accident. It is not a function of our circumstances or the economy that's happening right now. 
According to God, prosperity is a choice. And that's on your outline. According to God, that prosperity is a choice. It's our choice. Let's have a look. Deuteronomy 30, 19 to 20 in the New Living Translation. God is talking to the children of Israel. And he's making the policies for the nation here. In Deuteronomy, God is writing the policies on how to run the nation. Okay, we don't have to come under some of those things right now, but there are some really good scriptures within that that we can live by. But a whole lot of other stuff was just simply how we have our, our, our nation here, and it's got a whole lot of laws on how to, how to drive on the right side of the road or the left or whatever it is just to keep the place running correctly. But there are some scriptures within Deuteronomy that we can glean from and think, okay, yes, God, I hear what you're saying. And so today God says, I have given you the choice. Today I've given you the choice between life and death, between blessing and curses. Now I call on, the heaven, on heaven and earth to witness the choice that you make. Oh, God says that you would choose life so that you and your descendants might live. You can make the choice by loving the Lord your God, obeying Him, and committing yourself firmly to Him. This is the key to your life. Wow. And so we're the ones that make the choice. God's, it's not up to God to make the decision. He's already made the decision to prosper us, to bless you. But he says, I'm putting that choice before you. He says, I've given you a choice. He said, heaven and earth is witnessing right now what you're saying with your mouth, how you're living your life. It's witnessing. And God says, just in case you're confused about what the choice is between life and death, blessing and cursing, God says, choose life. So he even went into the test with us and told us what to tick. Just in case we were confused. So he says, choose life that you and your descendants may live. Praise the Lord. And so since we get to choose what the blessing is, since we get to choose between life and death, we better read the fine print of the document, fine print of this document that God is giving to us to find out, okay, well, what does the blessing look like? What does the curse look like? So that I can actually make the choice which one I want to live under. And so that's what we're going to spend some time doing right now. We're going to have a look at the blessing, what it produces, what impact it has on a person's life. We're going to have a look at the curse, what impact that has on our life, and then we are able to make a proper choice before God, and heaven and earth is witnessing the choice that we make even, this, even today. And so in Deuteronomy 28, 15 to 68, look at it, every verse here, God describes in detail the curse. We're only going to have a look at a few scriptures, a few verses. We're not going to go through the whole thing. Um, <laughs> it would be very, yeah, yeah we won't look there. Um, it includes every kind of sickness, sin, tragedy, and lack. And so I'm just going to highlight a few of them to have a look at these, to identify, hey, do we want to live under this? No. And then we're going to have a look at the blessing. So Deuteronomy 28, 15 to 17 in the New Century Version, it says, If you do not obey the Lord your God and carefully follow His commandments and His laws that I'm giving you today, all of these curses will come upon you and stay. I don't like that for a start. I don't want that thing to stay. I mean, there's one thing to be in a challenge or a crisis, but you always know you're going to come out. But imagine being in a crisis and that's it forever he says you're going to stay there 
You will be cursed in the city and cursed in the country. Your basket and your kitchen will be cursed. So ladies, anything that you do with your household, your groceries, anything that you're spending for your children, buying anything, it's cursed. Verse 38 says, You will carry much seed out to the field, but you're going to gather little in. For the locusts shall consume it. And we're talking about an agricultural nation right now, so you put that into your own, your own self, into your own situation, whatever you're involved in. It says, You will plant much seed in your field, but your harvest will be small, because the locust will eat the crop. I mean, how many in our society right now are experiencing this? I mean, every time that you try to get ahead and try to have something, you know, try to put something away or you try to save for something, bang, it's consumed by something breaks down and so you have to pay for it to get fixed. Rising prices, bills that need to be paid, higher interest rates, and you think you're going to get ahead and you set a budget and bang, it's gone. Try again, it's gone. Every time you try to increase, it's gone, it's taken. The locusts, which refers to Satan, comes and takes it. The God of mammon, the world system comes and takes it off you. The world system is under a curse and it takes it off you. And there are some here, as we're reading this, that you're carrying much out, you're doing a whole lot of work, you men at work are doing a whole lot of work and you're bringing your wages, bang, it's gone at the end of the week. You do it again, the next week, bang, it's gone, there's nothing left. And in fact, now you've found yourself in credit. And so then you make another wage, work another job, get a second job, work two or three jobs, bang, the whole lot's gone. We know what that feels like. We had that when, we, when Stephen had two or three jobs, when we first came into the uh, prosperity, um, into the prosperity message, and we were doing everything that we could. We arrived in Wellington, as I sort of said to you, with a, and a youth, all of our possessions in the back of the car. We were going to stay at a one, with, with a friend at a one-bedroom flat. We had no job, no nothing, and that was it. Bang, bonked ourselves in our friend's place and said, here we are. Having absolutely nothing. But we had a hope that God was on our side. And so he was the God that increased us. And so we gave God what we had. And as I said to you before, we just put ourselves into this word. And when we heard that word, that was our life. And not only did we tithe, but we actually tithed 10% and we gave 10%. What were we doing? With our wages, we were giving our tithe of 10% and we gave 10%. And within a short period of time, two years, God doubled our wages and so that our wages were what we had been tithing. Just amazing what God can do when you live in the blessing and understand what he will do. Praise God. You see, what God is describing here is the curse. And God has set us free from the curse. We are free from this curse. Men, you are free from this curse. When you earn your wages, your wages are going to go to stuff that you want it to go to and not be consumed and eaten up. Verse 29, look at this one. It says, You will grope around in the middle of the day like a blind person feeling his way through a lifetime of darkness. People just not knowing, just living from one day to the next, one week to the next. What's the point in life? Where am I going? No vision, no hope. You see, God is called the God of all hope. And without God, we have no hope. It says you'll never get to where you want to go. I mean, how many people right now in our day in New Zealand are trying now to get a deposit for a home and the, and, and the wages have not gone up at the same level as the houses have gone up? I mean, it's just, just extreme difference here. And with, with, with living under the curse to try and make that 
People are going to be on a mortgage, heavy mortgage, three, four, five hundred thousand dollar mortgage. How can you service something like that? And so it says here that the, 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 the borrower is a servant to the lender. And God doesn't want us to be under the lender who is, who is the one that owns all the banks in the nations right now. A few people at the top controlling and manipulating, manipulating interest rates to keep people at that level. It's a curse, God said. You'll never get to go to where you want, um, you'll never get to where you're going. Not a day will go by that you're not abused and robbed and no one is going to help you. God is saying this is what the curse is. No one's going to help you. 31, it says here, your oxen will be, slaughter, um, be slaughtered before your eyes, but you shall not eat of it. Your donkeys shall be violently taken away from before you and, you and shall not be restored to you. Your sheep shall be given to your enemies and you shall have no one to rescue you. I mean, again, how many people are suffering that repossession of cars? It says your donkey is violently taken away. Well, and the donkey in those days <laughs> was, like the, uh, was like the car that we have in our days. And what does it say here? It says, your donkey shall be violently taken away from you, before you and shall not be restored to you. How many people in our day right now have got their cars repossessed, their washing machine repossessed, their fridge repossessed? I mean, not be, t you know, that is a curse. That is not a blessing. That is not God teaching us something. And so this is describing the curse and I've got on your outline here, what God has described here is poverty, and he calls it a curse. It is not a blessing. God is very clear about that. But some people say, well, yes, and then, then they'll agree with you. Poverty is a curse, but it can be a blessing in disguise because God wants to teach you something. Well, at Victory, we disagree. At Victory Christian Center, we do not agree with that because God tells us that there is one purpose for the curse. And it is not to teach us a spiritual lesson, it's to destroy us. That's what the curse is there for. It's to destroy. Let's have a look here, verse 20. It says, And the Lord will send on you, I've put that in brackets, and put allow in there. I've taken the liberty to do that, and we'll explain it in just a second. So let's read it like this. The Lord will allow cursing, confusion, and rebuke, and all that you set your hand to, until you are destroyed. And until you perish quickly. And so this is not to teach us a lesson. The curse is there to destroy. Now let's have a look at that, that word there, send on you. I hate that. I, I hate some of the, the translations that you read and the translators have not done this correctly and they've done an injury to the body of Christ because people have then read it as it stands, like it says here, and the Lord will send on you cursing and confusion and rebuke the Lord will send on you that is incorrect send on you in, send on you let's have a look there it's in your outline the verb tense in the original Hebrew indicates that God is not doing that God has nothing to do with sending this the Hebrew verb is permissive which means God has to allow the curse God allows the curse he has no choice. Adam, in his disobedience, brought the curse on the earth. And so God has to allow the curse on those that choose that. But he has made a way out. 
if we will hearken diligently to the voice of the Lord and to be careful to do all of his commandments that he's commanded this way, not turn to the left nor the right, but follow after him. We can get ourselves from under that curse. That's the Old Testament. But you see, in Christ Jesus, we've been redeemed from the curse of the law. As it is written, cursed is everyone that hangs on a tree, that the blessing of Abraham comes upon the Gentiles by faith, that we should receive the promise of the Father. And so we don't have to have that. We're just reading the fine print right now to identify that, hey, when the guy rolls up in his car and comes to take your fridge out, you say, sorry. No, you won't be able to do that. You just have the cash and say, here, don't need to do that. And then give him a tip as well for his time. Yeah. Let's, let's have a look here. Proverbs 10, 15. Now, this was spoken by the wealthiest man who had ever lived. And he says here that the destruction of the poor is their poverty. The destruction of the poor is their poverty. So poverty brings destruction. And so again, God is making it very clear. Poverty destroys, it is a curse. And in and, and Proverbs 6, and we haven't written the whole thing there, but it talks about poverty being a robber that travels to take a hold of you. And Jesus tells us who the robber is. Satan is the thief. He says that's come to kill and to steal and to destroy. He wants to kill and destroy all of your wealth. He wants to steal from you. He wants to steal your wealth, your children, your dreams, everything, your health, anything that is to do with humanity. He wants to steal that. Take a look at some of the nations that aren't serving Jesus Christ or haven't had their foundations built on Christianity, and you'll see the sickness, disease, poverty, lack. People are lying on the streets and the, the, just no homes, no nothing, no dignity. You look at the children with pus in their eyes and flies all around them, no clothes. What an insult to a God that created them in his image. And God blessed them and said, I've blessed you and I've seated you next to me, the God of the universe that's created the planets, that's created the silver and the gold but they've come under that curse and they're living under there, under that curse until the body of Christ takes a hold of the word and gets it into those nations. And so Satan has gone to great lengths, you can see, to confuse this whole issue of what poverty is, what wealth is, what prosperity is, what is the blessing, and try to disguise it as if it was a blessing. Why did he do that? So that he can keep the church at this level. Because when the church realizes, hey, this is not mine, I refuse this. And the first way we refuse it is by saying it with our mouth. No, Satan, I say no to that poverty. And so if we think it's from Satan, well, then we're not going to do anything to stand against it. We'll just allow it. Well, okay, sirrah, sirrah, what will be, will be. No, the word says what will be was what, you'll, what you say will be. And if you say, oh, well, oh, well, can't do much about it, that's what you'll have. But if you start to say what God says about you, no, Jesus said that you'll know the truth and the truth will set you free. The truth will make you free. Hallelujah. And so the truth is that as a believer, you do not have to live under the curse of poverty or any other curse that you read that we haven't read all of the other stuff, sickness, disease, you know, sadness in, in family situations. If you read the whole of that um, scripture in Deuteronomy 28, you'll find all of the horrible destruction over a human being. Jesus has redeemed us from that. Let's have a look at Galatians. We've actually, I've just quoted it to you, but let's read it. Galatians 3, it says here, how are we going? 
Christ has redeemed us or rescued us from the curse pronounced by the law. When he hung on the cross, he took upon himself the curse for our wrongdoing or Adam's wrongdoing. For it is written in the scriptures, cursed is everyone that hangs on a tree, that, the, that, that through Christ Jesus, God has blessed the Gentiles with the same blessing he promised Abraham so that we who are believers might receive the promise Holy Spirit through faith. So that we believers might receive the promised Holy Spirit through faith. That's the carrier of the blessing. He's the one over the blessing on the earth right now. He's the one. He's the one that sticks closer than a brother. He's inside us, one spirit with us. And he is the, he is the overseer of the covenant on earth right now. Jesus and God are in heaven. The Holy Ghost is here. And he's the seal of this covenant. And so through Jesus Christ, we've been free from all that stuff. Not only that, but the blessing of Abraham, the blessing of Adam, the blessing God put on every single human being right up into our day. Every time he spoke that, that's ours in Christ Jesus. In fact, verse 16, let's have a look at here in the same, in the same chapter of Galatians 3, verse 16, it says here, Now to Abraham and his seed were these promises made. He does not say, and to seeds as of many, meaning the whole nation of Israel, but as of one, and to your seed, who was Christ. And if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's seed, and you are heirs according to the promise. And so as Christians, we need to know these scriptures. We need to know the legal document here. This is a legal document. It stands in heaven. It stands in hell. It stands with the demonic forces. When they know that you know this, that the blessing of Abraham comes upon me by faith. That, hey, I've been redeemed from the curse of the law. I've been redeemed from the curse of sickness. I'm redeemed. I've been rescued from sickness, disease, and every other thing. I do not have to put up with it. There is such a thing as righteous anger. We are allowed to get angry with the devil. You have a look at Jesus. He turned over the money tables in the temple. He was angry. And so we can get angry and move that devil, move poverty, move every restriction out of our life and say, no, this is what it is. I've got a legal document here. It's been sealed in blood. Hallelujah. And look, here's another scripture just to confirm that. Ephesians 1.3. It says here, give praise to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. He has blessed us with every spiritual blessing. Those blessings come from the heavenly world. They belong to us because we belong to Christ. So look at that. The blessing of God upon us. Again, what is the blessing? It's that anointing upon us. It's God's empowering upon our lives. It's His ability. It's His favor that whatever we put our hands to prospers. Whatever you put your hand to, prospers. That's the blessing. And so your wealthy place, the wealthy place that God has for you is a result of the blessing on us. Let's have a read of it. Deuteronomy 28, 1 to 13. Now we have to get going a wee bit faster here, but this is an important part of our legal document here. And it talks about what the, what the blessing on our lives is going to produce. He says again, if you'll diligently hearken or diligently obey the voice of the Lord your God to observe carefully all of his word, which he commands you today, that the Lord your God, what's he going to do? He's going to set you high above all the peoples of the earth. How about that? That's the first that's the first part of the document. God's setting us on high above all the people of the earth. And all of the blessings 
shall come upon you and overtake you. Blessed shall you be in the city. Blessed shall you be in the field. Blessed shall be the fruit of your body, the produce of your ground, the increase of your herds, the increase of your cattle, the offspring of your flocks. So whatever you guys are into, whatever you ladies are into with your careers, it's going to be empowered. It's going to be empowered to exceed and excel above everybody else. And don't be surprised when you see it. It's the blessing. It's the covenant that God has made with us. Notice God says, increase is a blessing. And so when you're increasing, praise God that the blessing on your life is manifesting itself. Verse 5 says, blessed shall be your basket. So ladies, we're not going to run out of groceries. You're not going to run out of clothes. If you need a new microwave, bang, the blessing of God will provide that. And we're going to have a look at how we tap into that next week. Blessed shall you be when you come in and when you go out. God says that He is going to bless your coming and going, whatever you're doing, wherever you go. I mean, just imagine that. Every time you move, you're blessed. And this is what He's telling you, what does the blessing look like? Every time you move, you're not going to get sick. Every time you move, there is strength, there is health, there is favor. Verse 7, the Lord will cause the enemy who rises up against you to be defeated before your face. They'll come against you one way and flee before you seven ways. I love telling Satan that. This is, this, we, we can learn these scriptures off by heart. Read them to your children so that in your prayer time, coming down, the, you know, driving to work, uh, wherever you're going, just declaring the blessing over your life. You're releasing life. Life and death is in the power of your tongue. And whatever you love to speak, you're going to eat the fruit of it. So God wants us to have the blessing and speaking our document, speaking our legal document into the earth, over our lives. Send it into our future. The Lord will command. Now God's getting involved. He's getting excited here. He's going to command the blessing on your storehouses and in all that you set your hand to. And He will bless you in the land which the Lord your God is giving you. I love that. The Lord, and I've heard Stephen preach this many times, storehouses, put a, put, a, put a little line under the zzz, the S. It's not just storehouse. What is a storehouse? That's your bank account. That's your investment. Well, God doesn't want you to have one bank account. You've got so much money that that bank can't handle it. You've got, two, you've got another account. Storehouses, you've got investments. Not just one investment. Oh, I've got an investment property. No, he wants you to buy the whole street. And then give to those that are in need. Give to those that are in need. Why don't we just expand ourselves? Thank you for houses. Just letting you know, I haven't forgotten that $10,000 that I said I was going to give to everybody in the earth, everybody at Victory Christian Center. I'm believing for that. You wait, it's coming. It's on its way. It's close. That's right. That's right. I, th we said that last August. Miraculous manifestations of, mo of money for those that take it. And I've taken that and I've given my word. And so those ones that don't believe me, obviously they don't get it, but the ones that have got the automatic account, bang. You look. Shot, that's right. That'll only buy the pathway to your new house. Verse 11, the Lord will grant you plenty. Everyone say plenty. Plenty of goods and the fruit of your body. Okay, ladies. The fruit of your body, plenty. <laughs> You might get home and have school. Okay, plenty of the fruit of your body and the increase of your livestock and the produce of your ground and the land that the Lord your God swore to give your fathers. God wants you to have your own land. 
He wants you in your own house. That is God's will. God says, as anybody asks me, when I've been praying about victory and all of our members in, our, in, in this church, that they have their own home. And God says, has anybody asked me what I want? I want my people in their own homes. I want them in my own, their own homes. I don't want them renting. I want them in their own home. And God says again, lands and houses and storehouses and plenty of goods. So you don't just have a home. He wants the, the, the home to be filled with plenty. That's the blessing that we can choose. So the result of living in the blessing will be plenty of goods. In fact, I love the amplified version. It says a surplus, a surplus of goods. Surplus, plus, surplus, plus. Keep on plussing it. Verse 12, verse 12, it goes on to say, and the Lord will open to you his good treasure. Now God, God is just, he's, he's understanding here that he's in a co-labor. We've got a company here and that whatever's God's is ours and whatever ours is God's. That's how God thinks. We're one spirit with God. We're not two. We're one spirit. And whatever his covenant says, that whatever is yours, God, it's mine. And then on the reverse side of that, he says, hey, listen, church, whatever yours, whatever's yours is mine. That's what covenant means. When you get married, you don't have your separate bank accounts and all well, this is mine. I'm not allowed to say that. How I was trained when we were early in marriage when I said, oh, this is mine. He goes, this is ours. <laughs> our bank account, our. It's not either one, it's ours. And so whatever is God's is ours and whatever ours is God's. We're one, we're one. And so God is saying here that he's gonna open up the good treasure of his bank account, the heavens, to give you rain in the land in the season and to bless all the work of your hand. Here we go. You're going to lend to many nations, but you shall not borrow. You'll lend to many nations. You shall not borrow. Lift up your eyes, church. Lend to many nations. You shall not borrow. And the Lord will make you the head and not the tail. Above only, above only, and not beneath. You see, God is describing the kind of wealth that lends to nations. Now that may seem so far-fetched, but the more we feed on those scriptures, the more that our mind is renewed, the more our spirit is growing inside here, the more we pray in the spirit, the spirit realm begins to start to shift things in the spirit realm to make things possible. Bring inventions into the earth. We haven't invented everything. We haven't solved every human problem right now. And God has inventions that are in the spirit realm that he is waiting for Christians that will dare to believe to actually download those inventions and bring them into the earth. Patent those, patent those ideas. Bring it into intellectual property and seal it with lawyers so no one else can grab it and then let it produce millions and billions in the earth. God has answers for, the, for what the nations need right now and he's looking for his church and he's looking for those that are wise and got knowledge wisdom knowledge and understanding which Proverbs talks about in fact when you are prospering and when you want to prosper read the book of Proverbs it's written by Solomon and it's filled with wisdom knowledge and understanding on how to prosper and how to use your wealth praise God so imagine prospering as much that we're going to lend to nations Mr. John Key's going to come and say, Stephen, Peter, what do you think? We'll think, well, hey, we want this. We want this Christian school. We want prayer back in schools. If we're going to finance the education system, then we actually want God taught in schools. We're removing Darwin's theory and we're bringing in creative. We're bringing in the creator. 
when we've got the money, then they will do what we want. See, some people claim, well, God will meet our basic needs, but we can't expect much more than that. We see that's not what we've just read in the Bible. The Bible here just tells us we can expect more than that. The blessing will prosper you and bring you great wealth. Let's have a look here. The blessing on Abraham brought him great wealth. We'll read a few scriptures. How are we going? Just another couple of pages. Let's have a look here. Genesis 24 and the New Living Translation, it makes it quite clear that God wants us to have more than enough. It says here that the Lord has greatly blessed my master and he has become a wealthy man. The Lord has given him flocks and sheep and goats and herds of cattle, a fortune in silver and gold, many male servants, female servants, camels and donkeys. And so we have here fortune in silver and gold. Here's another scripture in Genesis 13, 1 to 2. In the message translation, Abraham left Egypt and went back to Nineveh, whatever it is. He and his wife and everything he owned and Lot was still with him. By now, Abram was very rich, loaded with cattle, silver and gold. The guy was loaded. In fact, so loaded that Lot and Abraham had to part company because they had so much stuff that they couldn't live with each other. And so they had to leave and go miles apart because they couldn't live in the same vicinity together. You see, no question, when the blessing of God came upon Abraham, it made him extremely wealthy. Have a look here, the blessing on Solomon. On Solomon brought him great wealth. It surpassed all, the, in fact, I'll read it here, surpassed all the kings of the earth in riches and wisdom. And 2 Chronicles 9.27 says that Solomon brought so much money into Jerusalem that the silver became as common as stone in his day. Now imagine that, the streets being made, the asphalt. All the asphalt is now gold, is now silver. That's the kind of wealth this man had. He still has been the wealthiest man on record to this day. Look at the blessing on Job. God's servant possessed 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels, 500 female donkeys, and such a great body of servants that he was called the greatest of all the men of the East in his time. Now that was before Satan put him through the ringer. But then after, that was a nine-month period that you read about Job, and he went through hell, and that was Satan doing that. Afterwards, God gave him twice as much as he had before. So when that horrible situation had happened, Coming out of it on the other side when he repented before God and got himself back with God, God gave him double everything he had. And he was already the greatest man in the East. That's wealth. That's the blessing upon Job that we can read. You see, we can list a whole lot of the other ones and we'll have a look at those in weeks to come. Isaac, Jacob, um, Joseph, all of these men had staggering amounts of wealth. And they knew where it came from. They knew that their source was Jehovah. They knew it came from him. They knew it was the blessing and the anointing that was upon his life. You see, the blessing of Lord, he will, it will make you rich. In fact, that's the scripture. Proverbs 10, 22. The blessing of the Lord makes a person rich and he adds no sorrow to it. You see, the blessing, it started with Abraham. God moved the blessing back onto Noah, gave Noah the same assignment that he gave to Abraham. And then from, uh, from Noah, sorry, from not Abraham, on Adam, God blessed Adam, then he blessed Noah, and then he blessed Abraham with that same blessing. And each time, it brought increase, multiplication to the earth. 
Praise God. And there's another scripture there. And so very, God is very clear about his desire to prosper us. And when he can find a man, like I said at the beginning of the message, he's looking for a man to stand in the gap for the nations right now, to make up the hedge. There's a hedge right now that's broken down, that's bringing poverty, sickness, disease, death into the nations. And then when God can find a people that will make up that hedge and, and God is able to get them to operate in the blessing of God, great wealth is going to be a part of their life. And as God said to, to Abraham, he said, I am blessing you so that you will be a blessing. And in you, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. All the nations of the earth will be blessed. Praise God. Let's just finish it here. Heavenly Father, we want to thank you right now. Lord God, for your word. We thank you, Lord God, that the silver and the gold belongs to you. You've said that to us. But for too long, Satan has been manipulating and controlling the silver and the gold of the earth. And you said right now in our generation, it's time for that transfer of wealth to take place. And Lord God, we in our church here put our hand up and we say, yes, God, today we choose. You've said for us to choose, Lord God, that you're calling heaven and earth to witness before you, to before, between you and us that we can choose either life or death, blessing or cursing. And so, Father God, today, we choose right now, and you just say that in your heart, Lord God, we choose your life, we choose your blessing. Father God, we say right now, we will never, ever declare again that we accept poverty and lack and all of that disgusting stuff that Satan has brought into this planet. We make that choice, Lord God, to walk with you, as your sons and your daughters in the earth. And Lord God, we just say we receive that blessing. You've already blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. You've already placed that upon us. You've given us the seal of the covenant who is the Holy Ghost. We already have that. It's inside us. And so, Father God, our faith is reaching out to you today, as from today, afresh to give acknowledgement and to give the blessing place. In our lives. And Father God, we just choose even now and make a decision that we give you all the glory, that you are our source, that you are the God who is more than enough, El Shaddai, that we are in your business. And together, you and I, together, you and our church and the believers are going to do a magnificent work in the next few years on this earth. And all the nations shall see that we are called by your name and they're going to stand in awe. You've said that the kings are going to come to the brightness of our rising. Father, you've said it's time to arise and shine, for the light has come. The glory of the Lord has risen upon us. Gross darkness covers the earth, deep darkness the people. But your God, you've risen upon us. Your glory, your blessing is seen upon us. You said that the kings would come to the brightness of our rising. And so we thank you for that, Father. We take a hold of your word. We leave this place having locked that into us. Locked it into our spirit and our mind. In Jesus' name, amen.